We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar. This morning's gospel reading is from the Epiphany story in Matthew. As the travelers bearing their strange gifts seek out the Christ child that their charts and stars have revealed to them. It is part and partial to any Christmas pageant, of course. Just ask any of the multitudes of pint-sized kings that marched up the aisle here a few weeks ago. As many of you know, though, this story has been embellished a bit by the faithful in the last couple of millennia. It's captured our imaginations. Matthew is the only gospel that mentions these guys, and he doesn't really tell much about them. It's not likely that they're actually kings, and who knows what a wise man really is. The word is from the Greek magoi, from where we get magi. So they're properly called magi. There's no mention of how many there are, but the fact that there are three gifts causes us to assume that there were three people. It's unlikely that Jesus was still a babe in arms by the time they arrived, and it's more likely that he was a toddler. The idea that they were kings came about as a reference to Isaiah's prophecy about the coming Messiah, that kings would bow down and do him homage. But in truth, there are only two kings in this story, and they are both named, Herod and Jesus. Factions earthly and heavenly, mentioned early in the story that will be at odds until the close of it. Herod is a tyrant who rules his people with fear, with violence. The real wise men in our gospel are Herod's advisors, the chief priests and scribes whom he calls together to inform him of the child's whereabouts. Those chief priests and scribes tell Herod that this infant Messiah, born right under his nose, will dethrone him. These wise men are academically learned and function as Herod's closest companions. But it doesn't get them very far. Only as far as helping Herod manipulate a plot to destroy that child and all the children in his path. So, if our traveling worshipers, our magi, are not quite kings and not exactly wise men, who then are they? This question is a problem. But then there are always problems in the gospel. Matthew, the gospeler, is never terribly interested in people of power, whether that power is money or knowledge or status. Matthew tells us that Jesus denounces rulers like Herod who lord over those they rule. Also, that God does not reveal things to the wise and intelligent. Matthew is concerned, as Jesus is concerned, with those on the fringes of society. Those who might otherwise be overlooked. Those who might otherwise not hear the message of this loving and extraordinarily inclusive God. And so, again, in light of this understanding of Matthew's vision of God, 
Who are these magi? Matthew's magi are people who do what they are told to do. They follow Herod's instructions to find the child. They are humble beyond social expectations. They kneel before a woman and a baby. They are people to whom God reveals what is hidden and from whom God derives praise. They are people who put the flesh of this child God in place of their own flesh. God favors these men. God favors them with the knowledge with which they go into the world to discover Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Truthfully, there's no real harm in envisioning these men as centuries of artists and faithful storytellers have that is rich or brilliant. In some ways, it helps us to remember the story, to tell it in a way that helps us concentrate on the most central character, Jesus, rather than on all of the controversy that surrounds him, all of the backstories and side stories and minor characters. I think it is easier for us, just like we cast the shepherds of our nativity as friendly, gentle, sheep-loving people who come quietly to see the miracle of the Christ child's birth, when in actuality they were likely a rough lot, antisocial, dirty, unfit for human company. It's easier than in the same way that it is, it is unlikely that the Magi were a regal bunch with great notions of what they were doing. More likely they were stargazers to whom God gave information. This message is hard to hear. We'd rather think of those first called to witness this world-altering event to be folks we're comfortable with. Maybe not kings and very, very wise people, but at least clean and clued in. We've taken these extraordinary biblical stories and made them into something more palatable, something more within our grasp, something more comfortable. It's understanding, considering the shocking reality of that core message, God came as a baby, born in squalid conditions to bring a message of peace and love into the world, not as a savior with a sword, a warrior come to slash down those we mistrust. Add into it, add to that baby, the rough and dirty shepherds, the clueless and humble magi, and a whole trail of bloodshed about to occur, and it is really no wonder we need to play it down just to accept it into our own confused and contradictory lives. But as we enter the celebration of the Epiphany, whether we picture kings or wise men or something else, remember this. Our church is not now and never has been about insiders and outsiders. Our church is not now and never has been about separating the clean from the dirty, the holy from the profane, the wise from the foolish, the loved from the dismissed. Our church is not about that because, as we know from this story, our God is not about that. 
our church. The scrappy band of followers of that poverty-stricken babe, our church believes in a God whose revelations are not just offered to everyone, but are offered first to those far from center. And our lesson from the Magi this morning is that we might be called, called into the humble admission that God's glory is manifested where we least expect it. And even more, God's glory is manifested where we'd be least likely to look. Amen. <laughs>